Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right, John, what a mess. It seems like we record a podcast and then all kinds of things happen. And since we talked last, so much is going on with the Broncos. Obviously, they're forced to play a game without a quarterback. At the end of the day, it was a debacle. It was a bad look for, I think, a lot of different parties. And I would throw the Broncos in there. I'd throw the NFL in there. I think it's a bad look all the way around. I have no beef with Kendall Hinton and all. I think I, I like that kid. But, I mean, what do you think about this 31-3 loss to the Saints, which really felt like a scheduled loss, right? We knew what was coming. We knew it would be a blowout based on the situation that the Broncos were in, except for the Kendall Hinton story. It wasn't really fun for anybody. Probably, John, the craziest game you've ever had to cover. Oh, yeah, absolutely the craziest game. And I think Broncos fans have wanted the team to get back into the national conversation since Peyton Manning, but this is not the way they wanted it to happen. Like, everyone wrote and covered about this game. Like, it's on local news channels, like, everywhere in the U.S. So it was so crazy. And when I saw that all the quarterbacks are ruled out like after the initial shock like oh my goodness that's the craziest thing i've ever seen after that i honestly as strange as it sounds like i was excited i was like this is actually kind of cool like how often do you see an nfl team try to play a game without a quarterback and initially i didn't think about kendall hinton at all i was like are they going to do a bunch of wildcat with philip Lindsay? I like the Broncos and I like Drew Locke and like I want Drew Locke to do well and I want the Broncos to do well. But like Drew Locke hasn't really been good enough this year and the Broncos haven't been good. So I was like, hey, at least this is something to be excited about and interesting. Like this makes this game super intriguing now. And I can't believe I didn't think about Kendall Hinton because I remember when he signed in the spring with the Broncos, like my Broncos wire headline was like Broncos sign wide receiver slash QB Kendall Hinton. And I didn't mention it in the post. Now I'm like kicking myself like, why not? write this so I have proof to like reach back and be like I thought this but like I remember when they signed him I was like huh I wonder if he'll ever come into the quarterback conversation but like that was months ago in the spring and since then all summer he was a wide receiver for them and this like the past month on the practice where he's been a wide receiver so he hasn't been a quarterback since like 2018 so I never really thought about it after they initially signed him and then when reports came out, people were like, Kendall Hinton's going to be their quarterback. I was like, oh, of course he is. Like, they're not going to do Philip Lindsay Wildcat the whole game. So then I was like, okay, cool. Maybe maybe this could work. And then I was so crazy. I was like, what if the Broncos win? Like, yeah, I saw that what tweet if- and I was shaking my head. I'm like, John, you stop that. Stop it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, all, I'm way too optimistic. But I was like, the Dolphins, like a couple of years ago with the Wild, well, not, it was a lot of years ago now against the Patriots with that Wildcat. Like, they caught him by surprise. This time, the Broncos were unable to catch him by surprise but i was like what if the wildcat works really well what if hinton is just good enough as a passer what if like the defense plays really good and they pull up with i was like that would be such a crazy story and so yeah like i was kind of excited for the game and in hindsight it was kind of foolish to be excited for the game and i think it would have been a little different if they had like a week to repair like i still don't think it would have been good but it would have been different if they had more time like they literally found out on like saturday evening after practice and they had a couple hours to like crunch together a game plan 
And he literally, he had no reps in practice as a quarterback at all. Like, like I said, it's been since 2018 since he practiced quarterback at any level. So it didn't work out very well. And I honestly thought that they could have helped him out more than they did. Like he, uh, like on the very first drive, they did wildcat two plays in a row. They picked up seven yards with Philip Lindsay. So that's three and a half yards of carry. And it sets up third and three. I was like, okay, you're averaging three and a half yards carry third and three do the exact same thing. And like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You punt like this is a, a rough situation to be in regardless just do what's working well enough and then they put him in and have him roll out and attempt like a deep flag and it wants it there and there's pressure in his face and he threw it away and i was like oh well i'm glad he threw it away and didn't force it why are you having him throw like a flag like that's not an easy pass at all and then later they have him throw like a deep fade and i was like these are not passes a guy that's not a quarterback you have in an attempted pass throw like really short wide receiver screen and like have your running back go out in the flat and dump it off to him and like have your tight end do like a five yard out like give him short easy throws and let the playmakers make plays like his only completion was a a screen a tight end screen to Noah Fant and it was like right near the line of scrimmage Fant took it 13 yards and got a first down and it was like just let the playmakers make plays all he has to do is get it in their hands and he's not going to be able to easily get it in his hands if you're dialing up these deep passes so like I know they didn't have a whole lot of time but it's just like common sense like don't have him do deep shots like give him mandible throws and I don't think they did a good enough job doing that so yeah it was a complete disaster I was kind of foolish to have gotten excited about it but again like it's interesting like it's it's a bummer that they're put in that situation it's a bummer they have yet another loss but like the Saints are really good they were unlikely to beat them anyway and like it was interesting and it gives us something to talk about as uh, fans of football oh no it definitely does like that's this is going to fill our whole podcast today we're going to talk about this crazy game it's something that none of us have ever seen before yeah I agree with you I think the Broncos are getting a lot of credit for how they handled the situation, how Kendall Hinton handled the situation, but you're right. Like, I know they dumbed down the playbook a lot. They, I think they cut, I read 90% of the playbook, John, was, was yep. cut. So they're only using 10% of the playbook, but I don't know if you're using the right 10%. The game plan was a little, some, there were some head scratchers there. They were trying to do a lot of the same things over and over, and the Saints are just too freaking good. It, it was just not going to work. I, I was surprised they got three points on the board, to be honest. And to see the spread, the money line, if you bet 100 bucks on the Broncos to win, you could have won over a grand. Uh, you know, the over-under was set at 36, which was actually the under hit on that 36. You know, it's like begging you to take the over 36. You'll never see that in an NFL game. So just so many crazy things going on here. There's some things that I like. There's some things that I do have beef with. Let's do that on the other side. We'll do that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk strong plays for week 13 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cousins has really picked up his play of late, and he gets a star receiver Adam Thielen back in the lineup after one week off due to COVID-19. Only the Dallas Cowboys have given up more passing touchdowns in 2020 than the Jaguars. Jacksonville is hardly a threat to pick off a pass, and the yardage against them is fifth in the NFL. Factor in Dalvin Cook, and Jacksonville's defense will be spread too thin. New England Patriots running back Damian 
Harris at the Los Angeles Chargers. All seven rushing touchdowns against the Bolts have come since week seven, and the position has yielded seven different performances of at least 60 yards in that time. There have been eight double-digit PPR efforts over that period as well, and Harris has a chance to rebound after a couple of weeks with lukewarm results. New York Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. In Perriman's last five games, scattered over seven weeks thanks to injuries and a bye, the well-traveled veteran has generated at least 10.2 PPR points four times. Since week nine's breakout game against the Pats, Perriman has produced with both Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Las Vegas has given up a wide receiver touchdown every 12.3 completions, and just 10 teams have given up more yards to the position in 2020. And at tight end, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll pick on the Jaguars one more time. As mentioned, Thielen returns to balance out this offense. The matchup is a major plus as well, and the Jaguars have granted tight ends four touchdowns in the last five games. The volume has been low, which, unlike Week 12 for Rudolph, has been the norm all season long. And that's fine. You're only playing him as a flyer to get into the end zone, and he can be used as a stack with Kirk Cousins in redraft and DFS action in Week 13. So, John, one thing that I definitely liked was some of the commentary from Vic Fangio after the game. You know, on Twitter, kind of seeing what the players were saying before the game and and then maybe even the Broncos' Twitter, just kind of what they were insinuating. It seemed like the Broncos were kind of playing that, oh, the NFL kind of screwed us over card a lot. And, and yeah, the fans were, They were playing the victim, but Vic Fangio kind of squashed that. And I have a lot of respect for the way he did that. I mean, he definitely expressed disappointment with his quarterbacks. And at the end of the day, right, they did break protocol by not wearing their masks, even though they had tested negative earlier in the day. There's an incubation period with the virus. We all know this. We don't have to rehash it. You got to wear your masks. And the NFL has been hammering the protocol. And they've been warning you. You can't break protocol. You can't break protocol. The Broncos broke protocol. I guess the NFL actually reviewed footage of the quarterbacks in the room with their masks off. And that's why, right, at the last minute, they said these guys are all direct contacts, no masks. They can't play. So the Broncos did put themselves in that position by not following the protocol. Locke went on Twitter and apologized or or maybe like owned it, which is good. But Drew Locke is trying to convince us, John, that he's the leader of the franchise. He's the guy. And even if it's an honest mistake, and I think it was, and I'm not going to sit here and hammer him for it, but this is just another sign that his leadership thing is not quite there. Because if he was a real leader and he was taking this thing 100% seriously, he would make sure all those guys had the freaking masks on, right? He would make sure they're following the protocol. And even if his intentions were great to get the quarterbacks together and be a leader, he didn't go all the way there. He didn't take it to that crazy degree that you need to be a, a uber successful quarterback in the league. He didn't do what Peyton Manning would do. 100%. 100%. That's what I'm trying to get, right? So I think Locke kind of comes across as a knucklehead to me a little bit. Some of his antics and, you know, the way he, he's kind of a goofball. And I want to, if I'm going to, tr- if I'm going to begin to let him win me over and trust him as the potential leader of the Broncos organization, stuff like this is like, it's a red flag for me. It is. It, it just, he is not like the crazy psycho leader that, that you need him to be right now. I don't want to pile on him too, too much for his leadership, because like you mentioned, like the players had off that day and he got the quarterbacks together to watch extra film, like right. on their own, like there's doing la- above layers. and beyond what they there's had layers to, to this. Right? So there like, is. yeah. So like in a way he kind of did show leadership. I think what he didn't show was smarts, I guess to like be a good leader, you got to be smart. But I feel like more than being a bad leader, he just, he made a dumb mistake. Like I always come back to like Peyton Manning, like his four years with the Broncos were awesome. Like, he ran a tight ship. I I can only imagine if Peyton Manning played during the COVID era, like regardless of 
of what he if he thought like that the rules were uh completely necessary or whatever like i know that he would have had everybody following all the rules to the t just because that's the way he is and like not everybody's the same personality like Locke's personality is not aligned with manning but like you said you gotta be the leader of the team and set the example and show everyone this is the way it is and keep everybody accountable like even if he kept his mask on it, like he sees the other guys like hey guys guys we, we can't do that like we we can't even have like little snacks together we can't even take little drinks together we can't pull down our masks to talk better while watching film just to be on the up and up and give them no reason like now i'm sure now that's the way it's going to be like i don't think anybody's ever going to be anywhere near the facility without their mask on double masked on and like i think they better have learned their lesson for sure but yeah to get them in that situation in the, in the first place i think Locke definitely deserves some blame but at the same time i feel like he made a dumb mistake I feel like he has to have learned from this and now the team's got to move on. He's got to move on. Just don't let something like that happen again. You bring up Manning and how he would be a general about it, right? And and I get it. Yeah, Locke got the quarterbacks together and he's trying to be the leader. He's just not there yet. And I think that's what I'm just trying to get to. He's just not quite, he's still trying to figure that thing out because if he was really a leader, he would be a psycho and he would know that you're, they're watching. Everyone's watching. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're in the facility. They are watching, John. They are watching and you can't take the mask off you can't i mean i think the players have to wear them all the time during practice all that right now all the heightened protocols are in place because you know covid is going crazy across the country we probably shouldn't be playing football if we're being smart about it and we're being honest uh, but we're playing football through this and thank god by the way because i need my sunday football i don't think i'd be i don't think i'd be able to get through the pandemic without it but yeah so i did want to give vic fangio some some credit there some credit for for coming out and calling out the team and i didn't want to hear them just cry foul the whole time john like that would yeah. have been terrible if the Broncos are yeah. going to go on Twitter and complain and be like, oh, what did the NFL do to us? Like, it, you know, look what you're doing for the Ravens. You keep uh, postponing their game, but not ours. It's like, you know what? Just look at your own situation and do better. You could have you could have handled that better. I like the way Fangio has handled it as well. And so many fans and even media members, like a large majority of the media members seem to be taking the stance of the NFL wanted to make a point out of the Broncos. The NFL is hypocritical. The NFL is picking favorites. The NFL is moving games for stars and not moving it for the Broncos because they're a bad team. They don't have starts. I'm like, no, that's not it at all. Like all season, like I kind of referenced this on Twitter and Broncos fans got mad at me. So I feel like some Broncos fans listening to this podcast, they're not going to appreciate this. Appreciate me saying this, but I really think it's the truth. Like the NFL has moved games when they've had fear of a breakout with the Patriots game and uh, against the Broncos that was moved. They feared that the Patriots could have a breakout. And thankfully, the Patriots didn't really have a big breakout, but that's what they feared. And with this Ravens Steelers game that keeps getting moved, they feared. Uh, well, they didn't fear <laughs> the Ravens just literally it didn't is, have a breakout. It, it like, is a breakout. It's a it's an actual yeah, breakout. They had that's so going many on, right? players. Yeah, so many players, so many consecutive days in a row. Like it literally was a breakout. So the NFL they're not accommodating teams because they're missing stars. They're moving games to try to not have a team spread a breakout to another team and then get another breakout. Like if Patrick Mahomes tested, hopefully he doesn't, hopefully he doesn't. But if Patrick Mahomes tested positive for COVID on a Tuesday and every single Chiefs player tested negative on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to the Sunday game, the Chiefs would have to play without Patrick Mahomes because there's not a fear of a breakout. Like the, the NFL is not just like, oh, a star player's down, oh, an important uh, team 
team is missing a start. Okay, we're going to move the game. Like, that's not the way it's working. They're going by the COVID protocols. And, like, if fans or pundits want to be like, well, the protocols, the rules are a little too extreme, they should, it's like, okay, whatever. Like, if you want to have a conversation about the rules themselves, we could do that. But for the narrative of that, the NFL is picking favorites and moving some games and not move. I'm like, no, that's not the case at all. It's it's not because Lamar Jackson wants an available. It's because the Ravens have so many kids with COVID. Like, the Broncos had, like, two players and and that was like early on in the week and then uh like thursday friday saturday sunday they had no positive tests so the nfl had no reason to believe the broncos have a breakout so they had to play without them and uh like it just happens in the nfl that you can get thin out of position like covid's not exactly like an injury but like in this season it kind of is like an injury COVID is just part of the 2020 season just like injuries are part of any normal season and like injuries can force you to get thin at a position you just got to deal with that and yeah it's unfortunate and it's weird but like it's a weird COVID season it's just something that happens and the rules are the rules and the team knows the rules and the players know the rules so if you want to get mad if fans want to get mad at somebody I would take it out on the quarterbacks who broke the rules don't take it out on the NFL who's just upholding the 100%. You got four quarterbacks. You got Drew Locke, Driscoll, Bortles, and Rippin. You have four of them. And you couldn't have one guy stay home virtually just in case something weird happened? Like, you know, that's why they're doing that now. Yeah, that's why we have Kyle Bortles is going to be remote. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Bortles is remote, and they also brought in. Yeah, they should have been doing that all season for one thing. Yeah, so blame the Broncos. Don't, Don't go and defend the Broncos. They're complicit in this. And I don't blame, like, Look, I think Locke had the best of intentions, as we said. I, I don't think that – I don't want to bury the kid either. I, I'm with you on that. Anyone arguing that the Broncos aren't complicit and it's like a conspiracy theory, you just got to – you're not seeing the whole picture. You're just not. So, all right, more to get into. We're going to make people mad today, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think Broncos fans are getting fed up with me by now. They, they know I live out in New England, and they know. They know I don't care about the Broncos as much as they do, and they're going to come get me on Twitter. But I welcome that. At Ryan O'Leary, a little underscore between the O and the L where the apostrophe would be. You can come yell at me, Broncos fans. I do love you all. So there was an interesting article that John posted that I think kind of goes with our conversation a little bit. Like, if the Broncos were kind of fed up with the quarterback position, I know we're still evaluating Locke, but if the Broncos are fed up there and and they don't think he's the guy, he's the leader, uh, maybe they look at free agents. I know there's a lot of fans interacting with that story, John. Let's talk about that one coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Buffalo Bills. The 49ers come in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs as the official home team in this. They have minus 106 odds. The Bills, minus 115 odds to win by a minimum of three points. Jeff, do the Bills continue to roll through 2020, or are the 49ers back on track? Oh, for sure. I'm on the Bills to win by more than a field goal here. Josh Allen could stretch the 49ers' defense more so than Jared Goff could last week. And I think this Bills' defense is trending up. And it's going to do a good job against the 49ers rush and make Nick Mullins beat them in the air. I think the 49ers are back on track. That They're getting healthy. The the running game looking strong. The defense coming on as well. Kyle Shanahan's squad fighting for a playoff spot. I think they make it back-to-back and beat the Bills. Back the 49ers plus 2.5. 
So, John, I read this story about possible free agent quarterbacks that the Broncos could target, and I kind of went through the list and kind of marked and you off. You said, "Nah." <laughs> I, I I marked off the marked off some guys that I would love. First of all, Dak Prescott is is a guy that I would love. I think that's more wishful thinking than actual something that yep. could happen, right? The, the Cowboys yep. are just not going to let him go. That would be a terrible look for their franchise if they don't sign Dak Prescott and sign somebody else after Prescott's injury and, and kind of like messing with him on the contract. It's not going to happen. He's going to be a Cowboy. So I think we can take Prescott off the list. I think Jameis Winston is a guy they should look at. I really do. I think he's a starting caliber quarterback holding a clipboard. And the fact, John, that he was sitting on the sideline with a clipboard while Kendall Hinton and uh, Taysom Hill are running around is is insane, right? So I think Winston is a guy that would be a a fun one. You could probably get him on the cheap, too. He's not going to be commanding a lot of money. I mean, you should see his contract right now with the Saints. It's laughable. It's veteran minimum. Cam Newton, hard pass. You know, I've been watching him all year with the Patriots. He, I don't think he has a lot left in the tank. I think Andy Dalton is kind of a backup quarterback. I think there's a little something with Jacoby Brissett from the Colts. I think he's in that same neighborhood as Jameis in, in the fact that I think he's a starting caliber guy that's a backup right now. He's starting to get more run with the Colts. They're starting to use him a little bit more in short yarded situations. I think Brissett's a guy that should start, and I think he's an upgrade over Drew Locke. And then there's some other guys on the wow. list too, but what do you think? Like If you had to pick a free agent quarterback that you would target to start week one of 2021 for the Broncos, who would it be? Well, like you mentioned, I think of the, because Prescott's just not realistic. You have to include him because he's scheduled to be a free agent. So he has to be the top of free agent. Yeah, list, let's be but, honest. He's the pick, but it's not realistic. Yeah, he, so we'll take him off. Exactly. Like there's no way Dallas can let him get away. So then with that being the case, I agree that Jameis Winston is the guy, but I think also if the saints have any sense at all, like it, it seems like breeze is about ready to retire and become a, a TV commentator. And if the Saints have any sense at all i feel like one they should be starting winston right now and two they should be signing they should be grooming him and then signing him to be breeze's long-term replacement i cannot believe that they're playing Taysom hill like i know they've won the last two games but he still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass and like it's working right now just like tim tebow worked for eight games but long term i just don't think it's practical to run such a run heavy style offense like that like maybe they can make it work but i i just don't think Taysom hill is realistic long term yeah. as a real quarterback like i think doing the gadget thing have him come in and do all his stuff like i think that works perfectly fine but having him be a full-time quarterback i feel like they'd be much better off with winston so if hill starts struggling and they bench him and winston gets in there and plays well i feel like the saints will really try to bring him back and make him their qb but if that doesn't happen i'd be fine with the broncos going in on winston and the other guys you mentioned they might be an immediate upgrade over drew lock but i don't think denver is going to want to do like he may be pretty good, but he may be just kind of like they've done that. It's like Case Keenum and like Joe Flacco's passes prime. But that was the idea with him. Like, well, he's better than what we have at the moment. Like, I don't think they want to do that. I think they want to go like big time. Like, I think they want to trade up for a big quarterback or make it like, who knows, maybe they'll trade for Sam Darnold. Not that he's a big time prospect, but like coming into the NFL, he was a big time prospect. So maybe they'll feel like, well, with better coaching and better players around him, maybe he can revive his career. Like, I feel like if they don't stick with Drew Locke, which is still very possible, I could see that happening. I think they're going to want somebody with real high upside. And I just feel like somebody like Jacoby Brissett, I don't think they're going to view him that way. I think they would just be like, well, I at this very moment, he could be better than Locke, but if Locke shows potential long-term, Locke is a better option or whatever, you know? So I just feel like they're not going to 
take another uh, another so-so stab at. I think John Elway's going to swing for the fences this offseason if, again, if they don't stick with Locke. You know, Taysom Hill didn't look as good against a good defense, did he? A little, looked a no. little different, John. Looked a little different. There's no doubt about that. But, all right, yeah, so that's an interesting conversation that we can continue as we go forward here. I do like Brissett. You know, he's a you know, former Patriot, so I saw him play a little bit. He started for the Colts for a while. I think he's just a guy that should be starting, and he's an experienced yeah. guy. He's kind of a leader. I think that's what you need at that position. I don't think Locke's quite there. So, but yeah, we could we can we can continue with that one. We could we could do that all day. But first, before we uh, sign off here, we got to get to Broncos Chiefs. Unfortunately, and maybe Broncos fans will hate me for saying this too, John. Prime time, right? Broncos Chiefs prime time, and the Broncos are going to go over to Kansas City as a 13-and-a-half-point underdog. What do you think about that matchup? And it's not going to get any easier, and it, the pain is just going to it's gonna fester a little bit more here because the Chiefs are, are probably going to lay a whoop it on them just like the Saints did. Honestly, I will sound crazy for saying this, but when we talked earlier in the year, I was a little optimistic, and I was like, yeah, I think the Broncos have a sh- uh, shot against them, and I was dead wrong. This, the Chiefs just blew them out of the water, and it was blowout, and it was ugly, and it was bad. So logically, my head would say, okay, the Chiefs are a much better team than the Broncos. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL. The game's an arrowhead. Yeah, the Chiefs are going to beat him. The Chiefs are probably going to beat him good. But my heart says... I don't know. I think the Bronx have a chance. Like, I don't learn from my mistakes, Ryan. I was dead wrong early in the season. But again, like, for whatever reason, I just feel like the Broncos have a, a chance against them. Like, I'm not necessarily predicting a win, but I think they can be competitive with them because the Raiders beat them. And the Raiders, the second game they played them, they didn't win, but it was a close game. And the Raiders had a chance to at least send it to overtime. And like, you could argue, well, the Raiders are better than the Broncos. Okay, they might be. But I don't think it's a huge gap. I don't think it's a huge gap at all and the Broncos are in the same division with the Chiefs they're familiar with them and yes the Chiefs have won 10 straight against them I don't think the Chiefs are taking the Broncos lightly but like this game to them like they may not get up for it quite as much as the Broncos like the Broncos are humiliated they just had to play a game without a quarterback they're mad that that situation happened they're mad that the Chiefs have won 10 straight against them they're mad that nobody's taking them seriously and like to be fair, probably nobody really should be taking them seriously because they haven't proven it, but they feel like they should be taken seriously. So I feel like they're going to have a lot of motivation going into the game. Like I said, I'm not necessarily picking them to win, but I definitely think they could keep it to within two touchdowns. Yeah, you're taking the points. And I think, you're taking the points. Yeah, I think they could uh, give the Chiefs a harder time than a lot of people expect. There it is. So John Heath says, look at taking the points. Look at taking the points. I, 13 and a half is a lot for a division game. I don't think that's crazy, John. I think it's crazy to say pick the money line for sure. I'm not I'm not going there. I think there's a little bit of something there. There's some flavor there. I like that. I'll, I'll give that a look. I'll give that a look this week for sure. All right, man. Hey, we'll see what craziness happens between now and kickoff. All right, John? Have a great week. <laughs> All right, you too. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.